2: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication.
3: So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode.
2: What's up? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Not under lockout because uh, we make our work. Kidding. We are a four-players union. Uh, I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at NationalsAce. I am joined by both co-hosts tonight. Amanda at White 7877 and Ryan at we are All WeAreAllShack. Uh, back in post-lockout life, um, the logical place to start is to take you all the way back to episode one where Ryan said we were on a midnight train to a lockout and fast forward shit how nearly long has it been now yeah be nearly years three February, years later right? and yeah. uh, Ryan gets to take his gets to take his victory lap uh, although you know the writing was on the wall so <laughs> yeah. you, you were able to take your victory lap for quite a while now but here we are uh, not really much to do and much to talk about feels like a normal off season, <laughs> to be quite honest uh, but how are you guys doing?
1: doing fine um we got a new puppy this week so i am like in you know puppy hell he's amazing and sweet and fabulous but puppies are so much work so that's like my entire life is revolving around that right now but uh yeah the lockout is the big news and uh it sucks it's even less to talk about than a normal off season but um you know hopefully we will have some baseball to talk about come february hopefully they get it resolved by then in the meantime we'll have to be creative with our content for this off season.
2: Yeah. For some reason, I'm not worried about that at all. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not
1: either. We'll come up with, there's always good stuff to talk about. So it'll just be a little different than a regular year. But as you said, Ryan, Brian called this nearly three years ago. So, um, you know, it's been coming. I do think, uh, I don't know, I guess I knew that they were going to do it, but I, I was still hoping that somehow they would at least decide not to go the lockout route. You know what I mean? To not be so, Confrontational. It just seems like you would want to be conciliatory and try to get a deal done, but that clearly doesn't seem to be the case.
2: Yeah, but one person you could never lock out. You try to lock him out, he just comes back better. Ryan, uh, how we doing?
0: Doing fantastic. Just enjoying my victory lap. You guys just talking about how smart I am and how much I know <laughs> ball. It's just really great to start off this podcast, but. <laughs> You know, it's 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 a great time. It's merry merry season. The Grinch is on TV right now. No complaints. Yes. What what Grinch is best? Have we had it's,
2: this discussion?
1: Uh, Obviously, K. it's the cartoon from the sixties, the original. Oh,
2: shocker. Shocker, that's what Amanda goes with. Obviously. couldn't see that one coming. That there one's more no freaking obvious print. than the lockout from three years ago. Knew that was coming.
1: Yeah, see last year we talked about Christmas songs and you said my favorite one was gonna be, was it Silent Night? I think you said yeah, was totally it was, wrong. It was so, you were totally a little wrong. drummer
2: boy or some shit no. like that.
1: Sleigh ride. Well, what is, is the oh, top seed? Love that song.
2: I still don't even know it off the top of my head. Oh,
1: let's hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting, uh, tingling too. Yeah. Love that song. Best I mean
0: that, that's, that's, that's still is. older. So like, I was you know. not expecting Amanda to like sing that on pitch. Yeah, it was pretty good. I it really I really threw me off.
2: You know that that was pretty jolly. <laughs> hey, I was uh, I, uh, I was a drama so geek in
1: high school. A lot of musical theater in my past. You don't know me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we go drama geek to geologist to army to realtor to uh,
1: baseball. I guess nerd.
2: teacher. Yeah. yeah, to baseball nerd. Yeah,
1: yeah. Quite a life. Can't, you've lived. can't pigeonhole me. <laughs> 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 I am okay. I am a, a renaissance woman. <laughs>
2: something like that you know something
1: like that anyway
2: (laughs) yeah well uh but you know to get back to the lockout uh it's again we, we all saw this was coming saw this coming and you know knew it was inevitable i think the players knew that the reporters knew that i don't think anyone in the right mind was necessarily surprised by this but what has been surprising to an extent it's not surprising considering who is saying it but just the he you know uh how politicized this all becomes you kind of forget having not been in a, a work stoppage officially in, in quite a while but obviously rob manfreds coming out and basically you know <laughs> blaming players and, and oh yeah uh, the um Uh, proposal that the owners and commissioner gave to the players was just uh, an absolute joke. And there's a reason that meeting on the final day ended so quickly (laughs) because they're just so far apart. They weren't going to finish in eight hours or whatever they had left. Uh, Where do you guys stand on the current state of negotiations? We haven't really heard much. It seems like maybe at least from the owner's side, Uh, there's not much urgency to get a deal done and uh, I guess it kind of makes sense because the owners are the ones with the ultimate leverage in that they can afford to wait because they have the money it's the players that are going to need to make a deal done you know as we get closer to the season but right uh, it's just the unfortunate nature of it but uh, where do you guys stand on the lockout the, the negotiations and your optimism for the future
1: I think, well, the lockout, I think is ridiculous. It's just unnecessary. And the way the league has like scrubbed player pictures from the, the website, it's like, they're just acting ridiculous. I can't, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. I don't understand. Yeah. Let's be
2: clear. This is the owners locking out the players. Right, this is exactly. not, and this is not, not a player required. strike. Right. This is not the, a strike. And they this didn't is the have owners. to do it.
1: When I first explained, right. explaining this to somebody the other day talking about this who didn't really follow baseball closely. And he said, well, why are they locking out? Do they have to? Because they didn't reach a CBA. I said, no, they didn't have to do that. Like they didn't, that's people think that like, oh, maybe they have to because, you know, they don't have an agreement in place or something, but that's just not the case. And uh, we don't know exactly what proposal the the players have given the owners and vice versa. But in the letter from Rob Manfred that he sent to fans, um, let me find, I, I excerpt, excerpted a section here where he said, We've had challenges before with respect to making labor agreements and have overcome those challenges every single time during my tenure. Regrettably, it appears the Players Association came to the bargaining table with a strategy of confrontation over compromise. They never wavered from collectively the most extreme set of proposals in their history, including significant cuts to the revenue sharing system, a weakening of the competitive balance tax, and shortening the period of time that players play for their teams. All of these changes would make our game less competitive, not more. So this to me, it's like, obviously Rob Manfred is like completely putting all the blame on the players association. Right. Exactly. You can practically see someone's hand up his ass, making his mouth move, but I probably should have said that anyway. Oh, you can. <laughs> it's, it's late and we're allowed to say, you know, reasonable curse words. Anyway, what I thought also was really interesting was there was a. a a paper, you know, like a brochure sort of thing released for the players by the Players Association, kind of a guide to what does it mean when the lockout starts for players. And I was really impressed by some of what I read in there, which was that um, the union started back in 2018. um, They said they adopted a more aggressive policy voting to withhold full licensing checks in order to make sure that they were financially prepared for this upcoming lockout. And they said that the union will provide financial support for players during the lockout. Um, Let's see, the union holds back some of its reserves to fund interest-free loans for players as well. And um, if the lockout reaches a point where players are missing checks, senior staff at the union will also stop receiving checks. So I'm very impressed by how the union has prepared for this and how they're supporting the players through this. They're also saying anybody who was on a 40 man roster will continue to have their medical, you know, their health care coverage in place, even if the lockout goes beyond when the season should have started and that people who weren't on a 40 man roster will be able to still keep their coverage, but it'll cost more because they can't legally, I don't know all the details, but anyway, long story short, I'm impressed by how the union has prepared themselves and how they're supporting the, the players in the situation. And I'm appalled, frankly, at the way the, the owners are handling this.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's obviously a great job by the union, but also goes to prove our point. The writing was on the wall. You said mm-hmm. 2018. They, yeah, they did that. They knew and granted, that's, yeah. that's literally their job is to prepare for like the worst case scenario. But the fact that they were taking such extreme measures to, you know, uh, have the funds available to to cover these players just goes to show that you know they knew this was a strong possibility. Yeah. Ryan, what are your thoughts?
0: I mean, we're at the early stages of the finger pointing. Everyone just trying to get all their words out to the public. Like this is their Meredith. fault. This is their fault. Mm-hmm. That's all that is right now. Um, Rob Manfred works for the owners. Everything he says should be taken with a grain of salt. Rob Manfred also loves lockouts because he was a third party lawyer for the owners in 1994 and they liked them so much that propelled him to be commissioner of major league baseball. So Rob Manfred, has gained a lot in his lifetime from
1: he might become emperor after this
0: one yeah he he's a he's a big fan of lockouts because he gained so much from them. but lockouts are ugly they're not good for the sport everyone knows this has been brewing for a while the numbers speak for themselves payroll has been going down revenue has been going way up players want their fair share of the money billionaire owners are going to cry poor a lot this offseason just Be ready for that, but it's important to remember that Major League Baseball is one of two sports leagues worldwide that consistently eclipsed $10 billion in revenue, so that's very important to consider when all the Major League owners cry poor. It's just going to be annoying. It's going to be a lot of those sides crying about stuff. People are going to be trying to position themselves for everything. I doubt we hear any news on any type of bargaining or any talks before the holidays, so it will be that type of long, long waits.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, one thing I, I want to talk about, and obviously we're all pro player here. If you're pro owner, you need to reevaluate your life. And I, I mean that genuinely, like there that, that's a problem. Um, but with the player's proposal and Rob Manford mentioned it in his, you know, smear campaign statement that he gave, you know, th- the length of time that, that players have and he, he was speaking specifically to like the arbitration process right mm-hmm. and we've talked about it plenty but the MLB prospects are way different from any other sport maybe most simple similar to hockey but I think hockey you get uh you get to see your prospects maybe a little bit sooner than the MLB um but it's very hard to judge because you know People sign when they're 17 or 18, but they're not going to be really ready until maybe they're 24, 25. So it's hard to penalize these guys for not being ready, uh, you know, quick enough or being ready so early that they still, you know, have uh, X amount of time. How How is shortening that time making the game less competitive? And I mean, this trying to be as objective as possible, because right now you have at least at least half the league is not competitive and that i think that's maybe underselling at least half the league is not competitive and you have teams actively trading away guys every single year at, every single year if you do it once to kind of re, refresh your farm that's one thing but to do it every single year that's literally uh, you know you have no building blocks if you're just recycling or restarting every single year how how is shortening that time making it less competitive? That's literally incentivizing those teams that are not trying. Like, hey, you're going to lose this guy before you think. You got to you know speed up your rebuild process now.
1: Mm-hmm. I and, think it also makes it so that they, you know, you you're not as valuable a trade piece if you've got a year left right or two years left than if so you've got you're, five years of team control. You know, and I think that right. also is something that says to teams, okay, well, trading this guy away may not be is worth it for us so maybe we need to do something else i think it it forces teams to be more competitive and that is something the owners don't want a lot of those owners who don't want to compete all they they don't care about trading away their their good prospects they have no intention of ever trying to spend enough money to compete they're just going to you know be bottom of the barrel and spend as little as they they have to and print money because of the revenue sharing
2: yeah I, and like with football in you know we're a baseball podcast but football's the the king sport i I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone's going to necessarily disagree with that like their rookies their first round picks get five-year deals well technically it's a four-year deal fifth-year team option Mm -hmm. five years max and you know maybe the first year or two are developmental years but typically the next three are prime years or damn near close to it and then they're still you know 26 when they're cashing in on their next contract whereas in baseball before they even get to their like first real contract they're 30 and it's just like it's become so manipulated by the owners over the years that a reasonable offer is construed to be the most extreme offer ever in history or whatever the hell manfred said
1: right whatever it's just like, hyperbolic nonsense yeah.
2: Used, so. yeah and this is why I, I bring it back to you know the, the the political nature of this and just the smear campaign and the narratives it's just like <laughs> it, it, it's all a matter of perspective and the owners want you to believe that the players are being greedy when they're just asking for basically what everyone else has like the chance to hit free agency sooner and you know not be in shit situations for so long and you know it does have to be a little bit different
1: because of how bad the minor league treatment is like it's not just you know the same kind of crappy situation as a guy who's a rookie and not getting paid a lot like if you're still down to the minors or they're screwing with your service time by sending you up and down like you're living you know, I mean, obviously the living situation looks like it's going to improve some, which is fantastic, but it's, it's not just work wise. Is it crappy? It's life wise. It's crappy for these guys.
2: Yeah. So I I just, that's one of many points that we can have, you know, a larger conversation on as we get through, uh, the lockout, but I, I was just like in what way, in what way, because right now you have, you know, half the teams that are not competitive, but they all have players that are you know, within that seven-year window of team control, you know the two pre-arb years and then five arbitration years or whatever it is, all of those teams have it. So they have those you know contracts as they want, and they're still not competitive. So how would you make it less competitive if those players? It just it makes no sense. But Ryan, did you have anything wanted? Ed? I know is kind of rambling there.
0: Well, it's just. It was just such an interesting comment because Manfair was like our most negative reactions when the player walks a free agency. Team's right. most, oh, I forgot he said that. Jesus. Teams best reaction is when they sign players. You know, <laughs> yeah. Bryce Harper broke LeBron James 24-hour jersey sales record when he signed with the Phillies. The Phillies also sold a record number of season ticket holders. The same thing happened in San Diego when they signed Manny Machado. I could keep going. There's a long trend of this. When teams are aggressive, they sell season tickets. Look at the Mets. If the Mets could sell tickets right now, um, well, all their staff essentially furloughed right now, if they could sell tickets right now, I guarantee you their jersey sales and their tickets will be flying off the walls right now because they were aggressive before the lockout, signing Max Scherzer amongst other people. Like It was just such a dumb argument because literally when teams spend, fans are happy, you make more money just—it It is. You, know, you, just,
1: it is. It, you just reminded me of something else that Manfred said, let me see if I can find the part of the letter where he talks about like, you know, the idea that they're not spending is ridiculous because of how much money was spent in free agency before the lockout. Let me see if I can find the section. He says, while we've heard repeatedly that free agency is, quote, broken in the month of November, $1.7 billion was committed to free agents, smashing the prior record by nearly four times. And I'm thinking to myself, sure, but you're this handful of superstar players gets all the money and they act as though that it, the players union represents all the players. Like why would the players union acquiesce to, you know, a crappy CBA for everyone, just because the very, very tip top cream of the crop players are getting paid better than they have in the past. And even with the increased pay that they're getting, they're still not getting the percentage of the revenues that they ought to it's it, it the, the arguments are just so specious it pisses me off i'm
2: yeah and it just we again we can go down a deep conversation about this the last point i want to make you guys are feel free to keep, keep talking i just don't want to ramble too much about this cuz as you can tell yeah you know, we I'm might as passionate. well move on cuz we could just yeah, keep on rambling yeah very on. passionate about this but <laughs> you know to take it back to the nfl cuz the nfl's king and i just i want to point something out right so the jaguars Commonly regarded as one of the worst teams in the NFL, obviously, you know, record wise, they are one of the worst teams, right? So the current salary cap for this year in the NFL, I believe it was like 182 or 189 million, somewhere around there. I know it was in the 180s. The Jaguars, as it currently stands today, only have 29 million available in cap space, which means they have spent about 160 million. I only say that because they're one of the worst teams, but they're still trying. They're still signing players. There are no teams in the NFL that are, you know, trying to do what the Rays do or trying to do what the A's are doing and just giving away managers or, you know, the Pirates or the Orioles where they are so far under what the maximum allowances for spending that it's just like, I don't think people realize. The A's or the Rays or whoever, pick any one of those teams, they have $150 million at least available to spend that they choose not to spend.
1: Before Where do you think
2: the- that money goes?
1: Right. It goes right in the owner's like, pockets.
2: Yes. Like, what? what is the illusion going on here that anyone can be pro-owner? Like, it, it's just like some of the, uh, you know, opinions I've seen on whether or not the NAT should sign a building block uh, is... Just makes my m- m- head explode because oh we you know we got to keep payroll low because we're why 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 in what world does not no spending money equal a re- baseball? It,
1: there's no salary just, cap. You can spend. They can spend as so much money stupid. as they want. Like, look at what the Mets, are they going to have a $300 million payroll this year? I think they are. There are two, is it two teams that have a lower payroll for their entire boarding man roster? The next Scherzer is going yeah, to take Yeah, It's like the
2: guardians, year. the, yeah. Pirates? I forget, but yeah, yeah, it's,
1: it's absurd. And it's the idea that the, the, like you said, the crying poor from the owners is so there needs to be a salary floor. And of course we can't get a salary floor without a salary cap and the salary cap is what the owners want. But I really do think that's going to be the compromise that has to happen if there's a salary floor. And I don't know, I don't know where that will come down. I'm not an expert on those sorts of like delicate negotiations, obviously, but you know, the the idea that these teams can get in on the revenue sharing for teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets who are spending, you know, 200 to $300 million and they spend 30 to $50 million on their payroll and they get the same cuts of revenue. It's, it, it can't, it's untenable. It can't stand. It has to change.
2: So that's why the players want decreased revenue sharing so that these small market teams are, you know, not just uh free like They don't
1: get to just ride the coattails of the teams that are actually trying to win. And I feel really bad for the fan bases of these teams that never try to win. Like the learners, there are decisions they make that make me nuts sometimes. Like I, this uh, the proposal from the uh, the owners to the MLBPA is probably like if you use one of those uh, you know comparisons like on the SAT, like that is to the learners making their offer to Bryce Harper. Right. but so they make me nuts sometimes. They do. but they spend money. You know, they're never right. in that bottom tier payroll. And, you know, they spent for a lot of, for a long time, they bought a lot of players at the trade deadline. Obviously we're in a rebuild now, but I, the lack of willingness to spend money is not a huge knock for me on the learners. But for, if you're a Pirates fan or, you know, a Rays fan or, you know, the Rays have done really well the last couple of years, but, or A's fan where you've got so much talent, but they just won't spend what they need to do to win. It must be just maddening.
2: Yeah. I Again, we can, we can keep going. Uh, I just... i i I don't understand um and i really hope the uh players association and the union and you know the the big name players or whoever you know is kind of leading the charge i hope they do just as good of a job if not better than the uh you know commissioner's office or the owners or whoever at getting the information out there because the owners are going to, you know, spin it their way and the, you know, the players need to combat that. And the truth will probably be somewhere right in the middle, but as it always tends to be with, you know, one side versus the other, but, you know, the players at least need to get that stuff out there. And And it feels like in the past couple of years, we haven't gotten the, the full player side of it.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing too. You know, you think the last lockout was, you know, back in the nineties and there was no social media and there was no way for players to really communicate their side of it to the public. And that's very right. different now. And I think the owners are going to find um, a lot more blowback on this lockout than they did from the last one.
2: Yep. Well, we can hope so. Um, it feels like we're going to need to uh, buckle in <laughs> for, for quite be uh, a,
1: long a quiet,
2: quiet off season. But, uh, you know, the benefit of a lockout is, you know, there's still that hope that the Nats do sign Carlos Correa or Chris Bryant or, you know, someone of that magnitude that can. Uh, we
1: get to keep dreaming you know. about it. It's, it's like being right. a Washington football team fan where the best time of the season is between right. the draft and the beginning of OTAs.
2: <laughs> yeah, we won't get the Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day uh, Josh Bell trade. Anything like that, but we we can still hold on to that hope of you know we can sign someone before it and then gets taken away from us when uh, the lockout ends.
1: Hope springs eternal, as they say.
2: Yep, that is true. Um, all right. Well, I we had to talk about lockout because obviously that's the the main thing going on in the MLB. But there are big things happening here at Half Street High Heat. We teased it. Obviously, you can tell by the title of this episode. You, you know very well what's going on. Um, Ryan and I sat down with the one and only Josiah Gray. The Josiah Gray. I, you know, I'm just gonna fanboy here a little bit. I was I was head nervous, <laughs> but I, I was very. Oh, that's your
1: boy. You know, I know how excited you know, you've been about.
2: Honored, yeah. and, and you know, it was such a pleasure. He he was a great interview. Provided a lot of great insight. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I know Ryan, or well, the episode, yes, but the interview specifically, I know Ryan and I did, uh, he gave some great uh, insight, in-depth answers, and here he is. Hope you guys enjoy.
0: We're now joined by the Josiah Gray of your Washington Nationals. You guys can give him a follow on Twitter at JGray underscore. That's Gray with two Ys. Josiah, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Absolutely, doing well. You know, another beautiful December day up here in New York, Uh, but, you know, I'm doing well.
0: Yeah, I mean, we had 70 degree weather yesterday, so I feel like that's a little warmer than this up there in New York, but.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yesterday wasn't too bad, but today is, you know, it's a little chilly. I think it's around 43, 45. Uh, But, you know, most days are, you know, getting a little colder now, so I'm not looking forward to that.
0: That's all right. You know, hopefully be in Florida soon where it's a hell of a lot warmer, but (laughs) right diving on. Um, I'm sure that was a pretty wild day for you finding out that you've been traded. You know, you finally broke through with the Dodgers and then you see you're going to a team like the Nationals and you saw them circle you as their guy in a league where pitching is so valuable and pitching is at such a premium. How does that make
3: you feel? Oh, like you said, uh, Pitching is so valuable, so valuable. Um, Honestly, uh, being included in another major deal at the deadline, you know, it's obviously something. It's a blessing because you know another team wants you and they value you just as much, if not more, than your previous team. So, uh, you know, it's always a blessing, especially to be included in a trade with guys like Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Uh, You know, I, I was coming into a good organization. You know, an organization that had just won a World Series. So. I know that that winning mentality is over here and we're going to get back to that. Uh, but definitely uh special to be included in that deal, you know, with, with guys like Kbert uh, Donovan and, and Toronto Rio. Uh, but I think there's a good group of guys here already that we're, you know, we're going to build around and make a really good team.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned it yourself. You've been involved in a couple of high profile trades now. Uh, obviously everyone knows about the Max Scherzer and trade Turner deal, but what some people might, uh, you know or just finding out that you were involved in the Yasiel Puig Matt Kemp deal as well a few years back D- does that meaning anything to you now not only once but twice you've been involved in a high profile deal where a team looking for younger talent has like targeted you as the guy and now you're finally able to do something about it cuz you're out of the minor leagues now and you're you know pitching yeah. for the big club
3: yeah yeah i'm glad you you know mentioned that now you know, I'm in the big leagues, and, you know, I get to go up there and do the do it for, you know, the team I'm currently with. But, you know, being included in that first trade was definitely a shock. You know, just recently getting drafted and, you know, having a really good rookie ball season, you know, I really was looking forward to my first full season, you know, with the Cincinnati Reds organization, you know, whether I start in low A or high A and, you know, just working my way up the ranks. But the way, you know, it all went down, you know, the Reds were, you know, trying to find some more uh, Major League-ready pieces. And the Dodgers, you know, are, are always, you know, uh, accumula- <clears throat> accumulating uh, guys, you know, that they like and, and they can, uh, you know, project on. So, uh, you know, it was a blessing as well, you know, to go and join the Dodger organization and get with their development and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I definitely uh, do think each trade has come out to benefit me. Um you know, the Dodger trade has benefited me uh, thus far. And I think this trade, you know, get, with getting more readily available innings will benefit me as well in the long run.
0: Yeah, and obviously you mentioned as well, you were traded with Bear Ruiz here to D.C. Um, it's pretty common to see pitchers with their personal catchers. You know, when you Darvis was traded, they had to trade for his catcher as well. Does that help you at all? Having the consistency, having familiar, being familiar with throwing, throwing to Ruiz, like how does that help you with him coming here to DC with you?
3: Yeah, I think with anything, you know, you're just comfortable with a guy and especially coming over here to Washington, you know, I didn't know anyone, but, you know, seeing his face in the locker room when he got there at the end of August, obviously, you know, that just brightens your day. And, you know, there's going to be a, uh that wall of communication you know has already been broken down so you can get a little deeper into you know breaking down hitters or you know say you get into a tough spot you know you can kind of be more honest with each other and say you know this is what uh direction we should go with um but yeah you know i've thrown the keyboard since 2020 uh, at the alt site in 2020 and you know we had a good. Uh, back and forth there. And then we took it into this year in AAA and then taking it into the big leagues uh, with Washington this year. And everything's been great. You know, that guy is a student of the game, just like I am myself. Uh, And he's going to be really good for the pitching staff for years to come. And I think with anything, you know, you just get better with time. And uh, we definitely saw flashes of that. And I know fans are really excited. I'm really excited, you know, to watch all of our guys, you know, continue to make strides and go out there and, uh, you know, just become better baseball players every day.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited to watch you guys play for the next four five, six years. It's going to be Matt, really 16, great. 16, 17 years. <laughs> don't, don't sell ourselves short. We're signing all the
2: extensions.
0: <laughs> um, something fans here know about pretty well is that Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez are really big on clubhouse culture. That's something they preach a lot. Um, you know, you arrived to DC, you're on the bump a couple of days later. Was there anyone in the clubhouse that took on that leadership role and took you under their wing? Or was there anyone that just helped you, you know, ease your transition to a new ball club in the clubhouse?
3: Yeah, honestly, uh, I got in really about an hour before a Sunday game and I was throwing that next Monday. Uh, so I, you know, I met everyone very briefly, but my, my locker at the time was right next to Trace Barrera's. So naturally, uh, I I became pretty close with him and he caught me the next day. And then just throughout the season, you know, just guys like Josh Bell, uh, Josh Rogers, uh, you know, uh, a younger guy like myself, uh, guys like them, you know, I just got more comfortable with them. Eric Fetty, Joe Ross, uh, to name a few pitchers, just, uh, you know, just having more, you know, of those conversations that you're getting comfortable with with them and things like that but everyone's uh, was so accepting so inviting and that's what made the transition that much easier because you know i wasn't walking in you know watching every second of my moves or uh, you know kind of second guessing myself i was able to go out there and be the pitcher i want to be and you know work on things i want to work on you know work with the coaching staff um bounce things off of the players things like that so you know the clubhouse couldn't be any more better, you know, for a young guy to come in and just feel comfortable and, and go out and have success.
2: That's definitely great to hear because obviously, I mean, you know this, you were actually involved in it. But for Nats fans like ourselves, it, it was kind of a uh, concerning not for, you know, because we lost all these pieces, but just for that clubhouse culture, all the veterans seeming like were, we're gone all at once. I mean, we were one of the older teams in the league, and then all of a sudden we're very young, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but just that leadership presence was kind of gone all of a sudden. So I'm glad to see people have been stepping up and you were welcomed. Um, what do mm-hmm. you What do you like on start days? Do you have like a pregame rit- ritual? Do you become a completely different person, d- different persona? Do you talk a little shit to hitters? Like what are we doing on start days?
3: Uh, honestly, uh, my start days are pretty – normal, pretty simple. You know, I just get into the ballpark, um, you know, at two or three that day, and I just think about, all right, here's what I got to do. So normally I'll, you know, change really quickly. I'll get a bite to eat. And then, you know, I'll start looking at scouting reports um, for that next day, for that day. Um, But I had already had started looking at them previously in the series, but I'll continue to look at them. And then, you know, around four or so 4.30, you know, I'll throw some headphones in and, you know, that's kind of just my, you know, isolation time. So then I'll start listening to music, you know, guys can still speak to me, things like that, but (laughs) uh, more or less, that's kind of the, me getting in my zone. And then, you know, I'll go into the weight room, do my stretching and things like that, work with the trainers for whatever I need. And then around 6.20, 6.30, you know, I'll head outside to the field, get my long toss in and work that into the
2: bullpen and, you know, ready to go by seven five. So, yeah, that was, I'm glad you mentioned that people are still allowed to talk to you because uh, as pitchers, you, you see all the, the, the wacky kind of pregame stuff that they like to go about. Obviously, uh, <laughs> Max Scherzer was one well known for that, that he doesn't like anyone talking to him during his start. So I wasn't sure if you carried over any <laughs> of that as well. Um, so, uh, Another follow-up question. So, You were 41, 41 was taken, so you went with 40. Are you sticking with 40? Uh, And I'm asking out of my own personal interest because I would love to buy one of your jerseys. Are are we sticking with 40 or are we eyeing a different number uh, should different uh, jersey options become available?
3: Honestly, uh, I think for this year, I'm going to stick with 40. Uh, Maybe next year, you know, depending on what happens, you know, go out and have a good year. I'll try and change, Uh, but for the – the point now, you know, I'm going to stick with 40. I think it looks good. You know, my family likes it. They all have my jerseys too. So, uh, you know, they don't want to have that switched on them. Uh, so for now, you know, I'll stay with 40. All right. A good, good to number. Know. Yeah. It's a good, good
2: information to have. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Um, so in the second half of the season, we saw you on pitching Ninja a lot, there was a lot of slow-mo of some beautiful pitches you threw. But turning it to you, what is your favorite pitch to throw? And what pitcher do you think has the best pitch in baseball?
3: Man, um, my best pitch to throw, uh, could I say swing and miss? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'll say a swing and miss on any any of my four pitches, whether that's a fastball, you know, a curveball, slider, or changeup. Uh, but you know, my most frequent pitch is always going to be my fastball, and then my two breaking balls will follow suit, uh, pretty much at the same percentages. And then I'll sprinkle a changeup in here, here, the, here, and there. Uh, I'm going to bring that usage up this upcoming year. Uh, but that's kind of my uh, arsenal right now. And then, who has the best pitch in all of baseball currently? All um, of baseball. I got to go with uh, Devin Williams with the Ooh, Airbender changeup. The Airbender. Uh, it's unbelievable the way he ma- manipulates the ball that way. And, you know, it's practically unhittable. And he's going to be, he's already really good. And I think, you know, when it's also said and done, he's going to be a generational uh, reliever for that team and for any team that employs him. Uh, and he's just really fun to watch. And, you know, anytime he's on his, uh, Twitter just for pitching ninja or anything, you know, I'm always tapped in and always watching that. So got to go with uh, Devin Williams and that airbender.
2: Yeah. Uh, nice change up is just the one of the most aesthetically pleasing pitches out there. Just it's so tough to throw. And I don't think people realize that they're like, oh, just throw it slower when really that's <laughs> that's not how, that's not how a changeup yeah. works at all. Very well. Right. It's also a great answer by you. It's like, what's your best pitch? Oh, the one that's working. The one that's working best. <laughs> yep, one hundred percent. So I I know you were uh, a former shortstop, and then uh, you really you know stuck or got transitioned to, to pitching full time. And I, I think that was safe to say that was a good decision uh, based on how quickly you moved up. But uh, I I gotta know are we pro designated hitter? Are we, you know, pro pitchers who rake? Like what's our stance on the, on the designated
3: hitter? Uh, great question. Honestly, I loved hitting, you know, my first two years in college, it's all I did, uh, especially my sophomore year, you know, I was our starting shortstop You know, I was getting early hacks and late hacks and uh, you know, preparing for finals. I was getting hacks in, in between tests. You know, I was, you know, just die hard hitting. So at that time, you know, I was like, all right, like I know hitting's, uh, you know, not working out as well for me, but I know my pitching is. So at the time I was pro, you know, pitchers rake and, you know, I want to go to the big leagues and I want to hit and, you know, being drafted by Cincinnati very much a possibility and then getting traded to LA and, and Washington. So uh, that was, you know, a lot of fun to be able to get to my bats in the big leagues. But now seeing that I, you know, have had at-bats in the big leagues. (laughs) I I think I have no business being being in the batter's box. Uh, You know, there should be guys, you know, uh, employing that job that are actually good at hitting. Uh, So I'm I'm going to be pro-DH, you know, just hitting is very hard and, you know, I just want to focus on pitching. So I'm very much pro-DH. Good answer. I love it. <laughs> we, we
0: we debate DH or, uh, you know, laying pitchers hit universal DH a lot on this podcast. Nick and I are pro DH, so that's the correct answer this <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, after, you know, seeing big league breaking balls and uh, big league velocity, I was like, yeah, this is not what I thought it would be like.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'd imagine it only takes one one time feeling stupid and like an embarrassing swing to realize, yeah, this just is not for me. Like I'm good. Trust me.
3: Trust me. My major league debut against the giants, I faced Alex Wood who I actually got traded for um, right. once in a time, but you know, facing him, he's obviously funky, but then him throwing me back, back foot breaking balls. I said, yeah, I, I just have no <laughs> business. I can't lay off of it. And he throws it hard and this mad, And I uh, was, yeah, uh, hats off to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, one of the pretty cool moments that we saw during the season was you talking with Marcus Stroman pregame in a series versus the Mets. Um, fans thought that was pretty cool. I was hoping Marcus would come here, but he just signed with the Cubs not that long ago. What was that conversation like with Marcus?
3: Yeah, honestly, uh, Marcus and I have you know. Like, exchanged uh, messages here and there throughout the past few years. Um, just kind of just uh, motivational stuff, uh, seeing how things are going, things like that. But then obviously, you know, we got the chance to play the Mets out in uh, D.C. And um, I had just come off a rough outing and, he, you know, he shot me a message and said, hey, um, come outside, you know, let's talk for a second. And didn't know much of what the conversation would be about, but, you know, we talked for a second and he gave me some tips, some pointers um, you know, just about what he saw, what he thinks I can work on, things like that, and um, potentially, you know, like meeting up this offseason and things like that. And, uh, you know, for him to go out and, you know, have a conversation with me, you know, especially after a rough outing, even before a day game, as, you know, everyone has to get their work in, pitcher-wise. Uh, it says a lot to who he is as a player and as a pitcher. Um, And I really appreciate that. But yeah, you know, that conversation was uh, definitely needed because, you know, he kind of gave me a lot of tips that I wasn't thinking about. And, um, you know, I always think about those tips from time to time. And, uh, you know, growing up, that was one of my favorite players and, you know, have a good conversation with him on a major league baseball field uh, makes that moment uh, pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, Marcus has yep. been one that's always fun to watch. He brings so much personality and life to the game. And uh, Ryan and I are in the same boat. And uh, I don't know your stance on it, but we love players who show personality. It seems like for a while there was a, uh, it was kind of stiff and everyone's like, oh, you need to play the game the right way, whatever whatever that means. But uh, I've <laughs> always been a, been a fan of Marcus and, and you know the way he handles himself. And obviously he's a pretty damn good pitcher as well. Yep. Um, turning back to your... Uh, you know, 20, 2022 season upcoming. what are some you know developmental or progression goals that you have for yourself? I heard you uh, I believe it was on the Adam Shine podcast or, or um, somewhere else. you said you wanted to hit 200 innings, which uh, I love that answer just being an absolute workhorse and it feels like mm-hmm. you know teams have gotten a- away from that to whether it's preserve arms or just this over analysis on you know bullpen oh. games or whatever it may be. Um, but what are some develop, uh, development and progression goals that you have for yourself?
3: Yeah, that 200 innings definitely is going to be an ambitious goal of mine. Uh, obviously, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but I think that'd be awesome to, you know, get close to that, get as close as I can. Um, just that would mean, you know, me going out every start, uh, you know, and giving the team a chance to win. That's, that's kind of how I translate it. You know, I'm going out five, seven innings, if not more you know, just giving the team a chance to win um, and that's how, you know, I hope to accumulate as many innings as possible and just prove I can be that guy for the team. And then on the other hand, you know, just continuing to work on my stuff, work on my command, uh, you know, dialing in uh, another off-speed pitch for the changeup. You know, I've been putting a lot of work in with that, um, dialing in the breaking balls as well. And, you know, just the command of the fastball. I think uh, a lot of times this past year in 2021, uh, you know, I got, too uh, uh, happy with fastballs over the heart of the plate and you know it hurt me more times than not um and you know that's just the progression of becoming a big leaguer you know you're only going to learn that in the big leagues in triple a you know i might get away with a fastball in the heart of the plate in the big leagues you know you miss that too many times you won't get away with it and i saw that and i think those sorts of uh, that sort of analysis to just seeing the way your pitches play in the big leagues is incredibly huge to just the progression of being a pitcher. Um, So dialing in command of the fastball, you know, getting it to a spot, getting it to a desired location as best as I can um, for, you know, increased success. And then, you know, just filling up the strike zone, you know, giving the hitter my all, um, just like I have at every level with the minor leagues. Um, And early on in my major league career, just, just pounding the strike zone and kind of just shoving it down the hitter's throats. So those are some of my, you know, early goals. And, you know, I expect to knock them all down and create some new ones uh, throughout the year. But that's what I'm going with right now. Love it.
0: Absolutely. Great to hear. Um, There's been a big analytical movement in baseball. Obviously, the Dodgers are well known for their emphasis on analytics. And that was the organization you were with. Was there any type of change when you came to the Nats? Like, how is their analytics department functioning? Um, Was this something you kind of had to get used to, to an organization that's not as, you know, well-versed in analytics like the Dodgers are?
3: Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, the Nats are just as uh, thorough, I guess you can say, in terms of analytics. You know, I was given the same information, the same scouting reports, um, those sorts of things about my stuff and about the hitters I was facing. Um, So there wasn't too much of a difference there. And, uh, you know, that really helped with me, you know, in pregame meetings, uh, just speaking about the way we want to attack hitters and the way, you know, my fastball may play against their swing or my breaking balls, um, you know, and different counts may play things like that. But, you know, there wasn't too much of a difference, Um, but obviously, you know, the Dodgers are very well known for their analytics. So everyone, you know, within the baseball world knows that. And uh, the Nats do a good job just as well. And I think, you know, that's a department that's going to continue to make strides forward and, you know, put guys in positions to win.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think there is a, a nice fine it is definitely a fine balance but there is a balance to be had between maybe traditional thinking and just trusting your guys and you know incorporating some analytics in there so it is good to hear the Nats have incorporated uh, analytics maybe more so than they have in the past Um, so for for me I coach uh, travel ball and I coach high school so I, I work with kids you know ages 12 to 18 really uh, but specifically for my travel team, uh, you know, I'm coaching 13U right now. And it's right at the point where it's like, you know, from the kids perspective, it baseball was something that they did with their friends every summer. And now it's transitioning to something. All right. Well, let me start taking this seriously. Um, yeah. and, and, and I heard uh, you. Well, obviously, you being with the Dodgers, it, it makes perfect sense. But you're a big advocate of clean fuego, which I love uh, utilizing uh, when coaching. I'm a big fan of clean fuego. It's it just awesome, you know, with the instant feedback, Uh but what, what's one thing that really helped you, you know, growing up and kind of working through high school and through college? Like I heard Billy, one of my favorite quotes to, you know, say over and over again is Billy Wagner talked about how long toss was just the best thing he could have done, Uh you know, for for velocity. Uh Is, Is there, is there one thing like that, that, you know, you just, obviously you've worked very hard in your career thus far to get where you are, but is there one thing you can point to be like, yeah,
3: that's the thing that really like took me to the next level? Honestly, uh, in terms of just getting better, uh, you know, I started to see a progression once I got in the weight room more. uh, you know, I kind of, people always talk about, you know, my velocity jump and things like that. And I truly never saw the velocity jump until I was in the weight room you know, at college at LeMoyne my freshman year. And, you know, I had the unlimited meal plan and things like that. So, you know, I was working out, I think, four to five times a week. Um, You know, I was eating a lot more than I was at home. Um, And I was just uh, around baseball, you know, every day of the week. So Mm -hmm. naturally, around the game more, putting on a little bit of weight, getting stronger, obviously. And I think that really helped me out so much more than you know that typical uh, you know high school regimen where you know you go to school for five days you might train one day during the week and then the weekend obviously you're playing games Um, so when I got to college you know it was just baseball baseball baseball. Um, obviously school as well but a lot more baseball and then uh, like you said long toss helps um, immensely just airing it out and you know just testing your limits with that and I think a culmination of all those things really helped me you know go from being a good baseball player to you know a guy that potentially could get drafted um, my uh, sophomore year going into my sophomore year and then obviously you know continue to refine things and then ended up getting drafted my junior year Um, but those things I think really uh, helped me Reach the heights I'm at now, uh, kind of just that foundation of those uh, core core things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes perfect right. sense. It, it's one thing to say it to a 13 year old; it's another thing to actually get them to do it. So maybe coming from you, you'll have a little bit more luck than I, than I've
3: been able to. <laughs> absolutely.
0: So, as we wrap down our interviews, we like to end with a little bit more fun, lighthearted questions. Unfortunately, I decide to ask the hardest question you are ever going to get. Um, <laughs> do you think you could strike out Juan Soto looking and on how many pitches?
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, I think I can strike him out. Love it. Um, Love it. How many pitches? Let's say five. You know <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to, you know, work his at bat. Uh, but you know i'm gonna hit those corners and i'm gonna work them and i'm gonna you know punch them out looking why not i absolutely love it
2: yeah i don't know if we can like (laughs) televise that somehow uh you know some sort of like inner squad game or whatever maybe just like a a street game i I, it's something we
3: need to see (laughs) it's absolutely something we need to see um
2: sorry there'll
3: be some there'll be some uh backfield uh banter going on soon enough in spring training but i don't i don't think that's <laughs> televised at all
2: <laughs> well yeah because so, so, so somebody's t- gonna be wrong t- there
3: <laughs> yeah if he takes me deep you know i don't want that being shown <laughs> Right. That's, so when hey, you strike him point. out
0: when you strike him out just give us a shout out in your interview Be yes. like i told
3: you guys <laughs> uh, and, if, and if we
0: if we
2: don't hear anything we'll just assume he took you deep <laughs>
3: okay <laughs> I, I won't say anything. Like I can't do them like that <laughs> uh,
2: my last question for you is just I, I want to give you the floor basically this is how we kind of wrap our shows on every episode just like kind of uh, anything random that came to, to mind or anything we didn't talk about I want to give you the floor to just tell you know Nats fans listening to this podcast just one thing about yourself or Uh, one thing, you know, uh, about the team that they might not know yet or something that, you know, they might want your insight on?
3: Yeah, of course. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, honestly, uh, for the Nats Nats fans listening, uh, you know, it's been a hectic uh, year so far. But, you know, I think the last two months being with the Nats was, you know, a great learning experience, you know, having good starts and bad starts some okay starts um you know i'm really excited for this upcoming year and getting ready to you know just be immersed with the team and uh, go out there with guys like patrick corbin Strasberg, joe ross uh, josh rogers uh, starters to say the least and then you know have really good guys in the bullpen such as kyle finnegan Tanner uh patrick murphy uh you know i think we have a really good team you know we're young but i think we have a really good team with a lot of good pieces and then You know, we all know who our hitters are. Juan Soto, Josh Bell, uh, Kevin Ruiz, uh, Carter Keboom, uh, to say the least. I think those guys are going to hold their own and make sure that we're in a lot of games uh, because our pitchers are going to do what we do. And our hitters, you know, are going to hit the ball out the ballpark. So uh, I'm really excited. You know, it's been a great time being in that so far. Uh, You know, I love D.C. I love the area. Can't wait to you know explore a little bit more. I'll be down there in a few weeks, going to my first hockey game. Uh, oh, that'll be a lot yeah. of fun. But uh, well, other than that, yeah, just you know, I'm I'm keeping busy up here in New York, uh, getting ready for the season, and I you know I'm really looking forward to a strong 2022 and uh, winning a lot of ball games and you know, bringing some excitement to DC this year. Absolutely, I mean,
0: that gets me really excited. And yeah, DC I'm, I'm <laughs> DC has a really underrated food scene as well. So you got to make sure you try some of those restaurants.
3: I will a hundred percent. will.
0: Well, Josiah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I know fans are going to be excited after listening for the upcoming season. I am. Once again, you guys can give them a follow on Twitter at J gray underscore. That's gray with two ys. and Josiah. Thank you so much, man. Best of luck this year.
3: Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on
0: yep of course man
2: all right big thanks to josiah gray for joining us please go give him a follow at j gray two eyes underscore uh again (laughs) i can't thank him enough he he was a great interview uh it was kind of just it was a very surreal moment like i texted ryan during it i was like this is so surreal um and I feel like at the end of it, we're kind of best friends. Uh, Ryan, can you You feel confirm? like that
1: about everyone we interview.
2: Oh, you weren't there. You wouldn't know.
1: Well, I, I suppose that's true about this particular interview. I'm just saying, everybody we interview, you say they're the best friend of the podcast. <laughs> we
3: just well, That's have why we friends. don't interview
2: you.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you sort of do every time we record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super, super cool of Josiah Gray to join us. Um, what a fun thing. And um, I have such high hopes for him coming up this this season assuming there is one and in the future um just a huge piece of you know seeing Max Scherzer sign with the Mets is, is hurts my soul but uh glad that we traded him when we did because otherwise we wouldn't have Josiah Gray in a Nats uni
2: yep that is true all right let's do it you guys want to get into some uh Twitter questions
1: let's do it
2: all right we ride the first one <laughs> oh god from <laughs> oh boy i apologize to uh, any families listening at home at dark meat hook <laughs> Oh
1: geez.
2: uh they want to know should i cancel my trip to anaheim in may uh I ryan don't. is as an expert <laughs> about canceling trips to southern california so
0: ryan what do you <laughs> COVID, think <laughs> man look <laughs> it's always best to hold off because airlines don't want to give you your money back um no, i they'll they'll be playing by they'll be playing by then, knock on wood. So I say hold off a little bit, and then go all in on that. On
2: that, <laughs> then go all in. You're gonna cost this guy like thousands of dollars <laughs> now because once, once it's booked, like you're screwed. They do not want to give you your money back. It's like an investment. <laughs> yeah, I advice. would
1: totally not. What I would do is is cancel, get your money back, and then if they start the season, then find yourself some tickets. Then I would.
2: All right. So we have one all in, we have one uh, cash out. So, you know, it's one, one, I'm going to say, just wait and do nothing. And, uh, and there you go. You get absolutely no help whatsoever. <laughs> all right. Next question from at Soto shuffle. It's not shuffle. It's shuffle. Cause he didn't include all the letters. Is it possible there will be a universal DH?
1: I yes i think so in this i, I mean it's possible it's possible certainly i mean they're in cba negotiations so yes it's possible but i don't know i feel like that is a, a thing that the owners are gonna hold really fast to unless they get what they want
2: is that their biggest bargaining chip though
1: it's one of them i don't know if it's their biggest but it's definitely one of them I mean, they also the players want.
0: so it's like That's that's going to be something we get. It's not going to be announced right away when the new CBA comes out. Uh, Major League Baseball said they're going to hold off on rule changes at first because they understand that all the economic talks are going to take a very long time. Rule changes they can knock out in a day. So when the CBA is announced, we won't have the universal DH. Wait a little bit. Then we'll get the new rule changes just because those are a lot easier to knock out than all the economic changes they have to do. So, yes, we'll get it.
2: What was it? Uh, during the pandemic season, it was like a day before playoffs started. We got the
0: expanded playoffs, or it was like the day before the season yeah. started. It was really close. It was after the, the Nats. The Nats game was like literally just about start. They started announcing like all like the new rules. Yeah, it, it was wow. I
1: hope we do get expanded playoffs. I don't want it as expanded as it was in that season, but I I liked the expanded playoffs.
0: So what what's
2: the sweet spot? Because
1: for
0: me, twelve is the proposal right now from the players. Yeah.
2: I was going to say like six that. in each league. So that'd be 12. Yeah. So do you, you just go top two uh, divisions and then that the third division winner, you know, tough luck, you're still going to have to play round one. Like how football did it before they expanded to a second team.
1: Yeah. I kind of, I think that would work. I, I just, I really like the idea of, you know, having another, having another team thrown in there because it, it just, it, when your team is out of it down the stretch, you know, you lose the interest of your fans. So that's two more fan bases that get to, you know, get to be in on it and more than two really. Cause if you're in a race at the end, it keeps things exciting down the stretch of the regular season. And then, you know, there's, I, I found that first round kind of play in thing really exciting. I liked that. I hope that they do a wild card sort of thing where it's three games though, instead of one.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would want that. Yes. So six, six teams, each league. Um, I completely lost my train of thought as I was listening to you, to you speak. But uh, I want that and make the playoffs kind of an event. I get it's a series, but stop with the one o'clock games, the four o'clock games. Oh God. Like it's I get playoffs. if it's if it's like <laughs> if it's Dodgers, Nats, right? Like East Coast fans, yes. If the game was at ten o'clock East Coast time, we'll watch it. But it's certainly not ideal. That you can make like a five o'clock start in, uh you know, L.A. North or Coast in in right? this in this scenario, and that would be eight o'clock for us, which is still like a little bit later than normal, but it's reasonable. But you know, the the one o'clock starts here, like it's ten a.m. in in the West Coast. Like, why <laughs> no are wonder your games so sweeping. regional? <laughs> I Man, I had another point. Oh, playoffs, right? If you expand the playoffs, which it does seem like is likely to happen, I feel like that's the best incentive for teams to spend money because there's mm-hmm. a increased probability of every team right. making the playoff just from the start before you even play a game yeah like imagine
1: more buyers uh, or more buyers instead of selling mean, the deadline it's all good it,
2: it, it's hard like to compliment the braves because you know they are the one thing i i despise more than any but you know what they win this year like 88 games 87s I, I don't even remember like what's to say a team like the Blue Jays or the Mariners who were like 85, 84. Who's to say they couldn't have gone on a run? I mean, it came down to the final day for them anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, who's to say they couldn't have made something happen? Like I, the uh, when, it, when it was just like four teams, right? It was the three divisions and a wild card, uh, you know, a few years back or whatever. The the narrative was like, oh, well, wild card teams never win. Same thing for the NFL. Like, oh, wild card teams never win. Well, why do you think that is? Because there's literally less. Wildcard teams, then there are division winners like the, right. it, it's not that hard to comprehend if there was always the same amount of division winners and always the same amount of wildcard teams. Yeah, the odds are probably still in the division winners here because those are typically the better, better teams. teams. Right. But but it's more even because you have the same amount. So it's just like a, a stupid argument. Anytime you, you don't hear it as much anymore, because obviously NFL expanded playoffs and you're, you're getting, you know, larger playoff formats like NHL, NBA have 16 teams, which is a lot. So it's like you, you never really hear that.
1: And like the playoffs kick an acre of ass. I'm just throwing that out.
2: There. It's awesome. Like, I mean, seven game series from the from the mm. start. Like it, it's it's intense. I love,
1: like, love, love, love hockey playoffs.
2: And if they wanted to keep the first round five, like, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think, you know, you should go seven because what's the point uh, of making the first round five? It just doesn't make much sense to me. But I I understand, uh, like, you know, it is the longest season already, and you don't want to necessarily make it any longer than you have to. But anyways, like, yeah, absolutely expanded playoffs. The other thing I I wanted to mention is a potential rule change, and I haven't heard anything about it. Quite honestly, I forgot about it until I I heard I was listening to a podcast uh, interview and I I heard them mention it. What are your guys thoughts on the ability for teams to trade draft picks? Because that's something that's not really talked about. But if you look at the NBA and the NFL, like uh, I'm not as familiar. I mean, I I guess I, I really only know the caps for hockey, so I can't speak too much on it. But I just we just saw the caps trade a first round pick last year uh within the verona deal so it's like all these other sports are able to trade draft picks and with teams like hoarding these young guys at this point you would think trading draft picks or having the ability to trade draft picks especially now that you have the slot values right because previously it was like the pirates had the first round or first overall pick this year right they specifically went under slot to get a guy they thought they could sign They, they did that this year whereas previously you know, a, a guy a player drafted one overall could literally just be like, Now nah, piss off, I'm not gonna sign with you, and then the pirates would be screwed. But now that you have the slot, there's only a certain number he can get. All of this is to say, like, I feel like MLB should be allowed to trade draft picks, even though they're not as uh immediately successful as the NBA or there's NFL more or more of a
1: crapshoot, certainly. I haven't but really ever thought about it, but I don't see it, why it not. just
2: makes so much sense. Like, I get why they weren't allowed to before, but that it seems like it's been so long since that's been, uh, you know, reopened for discussion. Uh, I I just don't see any argument for it to stay the way it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I honestly said, that's not something I've given a lot of thought to, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, again, I think draft picks would be worth less in baseball than in most other sports because you're, But teams you know, would if, still
2: put value on them.
1: They certainly would. I feel like, you know, a first round pick in baseball, first round pick in the NFL, you expect things from them. A first round pick in baseball, you, you know, you, you expect they're going to be a major league player, but I would, I would say if you, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, of course, but I'll bet if you compared how many first round MLB draft picks never make the majors, it would be a lot higher than the number of, you know, first round draft picks that turn out to be disappointments in other any other sport.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously it's not a direct comparison because. Baseball is wacky, but I I just makes so much sense. Ryan, you said you loved it. Why is that?
0: It's just more incentive, and also makes trades easier. Um, trading like teams haven't been allowed to trade draft picks since the draft began '65. They were a little bit; they could trade compensatory picks, but then there was like a really bad trade in the '80s, and Major League Baseball like made the no drafting sorry, no trading picks even stronger, but it makes it easier for teams to trade, especially for teams that don't exactly have strong farm systems. Mm, It makes them to be able to throw draft picks and make trades more, you know. That's an
1: excellent point. If you don't have a good farm system, having, you know, maybe you're a crappy team and you have a bad farm and you, but you've got a high draft pick coming up because you had a terrible season. Like that gives you something of value that you could trade that otherwise you'd be unable to make a deal happen. So that's a great point, Ryan.
2: And I think great point, Ryan. Phenomenal job as always. Uh, I also think it would make teams maybe like fringe teams. Um, I don't have a great example in mind, but those fringe teams that might be really top heavy in their farm system where it's like, they have a couple of studs that would garner interest, but they don't necessarily want to part with. Well, you still have that first round pick or second round pick, even that, you know, would net you something solid in return. And you don't have to give up your guy that you scouted, you drafted, you developed. You can just give him basically like a just blank pick, do with it what you want, but we're not necessarily sacrificing all the time and effort they put in. I feel like that would be uh, an additional you know, incentive benefit. for teams to make moves um, that they wouldn't normally be able to make. And, oh, so. have,
1: and, and I think the owners might be more willing to do that because there's always so much anger in a fan base when you trade a good prospect, somebody who they've drafted and developed. And, you know, the people are excited to see come to the majors for their club and then they get traded away. It pisses people off. So trading away, a you know, a draft pick that you don't know who it is, is I think a lot more palatable for fans and hence probably more palatable for owners.
2: What was uh, the slot value for Brady houses here? Do either of you remember?
1: I can look it up.
2: It's like $5 million, something like that. I cannot remember. I only bring it up because, you know, I don't necessarily want to use the Nats as... I'll, I'll use the Mets because the Mets were just one pick away from us. Like, if if you're the Mets, granted, the Mets might not be the best example either because their owner is literally going all in. But if you're the Mets, if you trade that first round pick, you're instantly saving $5 million. Yeah. Like. You're not going to have to pay that guy. And sometimes they, they save money anyways, like the Mets did, like saying, oh, Kumar Rockers uh, medicals didn't check out. Well, if they didn't check out, why'd you draft them? Um, but anyways, like yeah. you're instantly saving th- that money. So it's like you're able to take on. A contract as well. So, like someone making nineteen. Well, it's trade deadline. So, someone making ten million rest a year. Well, you're instantly saving five if you give a first round pick. So, it's really five million rest a year. So, it makes that trade, you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit easier to swallow.
1: Gives it more value. So, House was eleventh overall. Slot value was four million five hundred forty-seven thousand five hundred dollars.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, right around there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, there would be have uh, have to be some like fine tuning. Uh, So you don't immediately just open it back up for all the craziness because we know owners love to find loopholes. Like, why do MLB owners suck? Like, why? I just makes no
1: sense. It's a a great not that owners in
2: general are great, but why are MLB owners the worst
1: football team fan for my whole life? I'm going to say there are some other owners that also suck. (laughs) But but at least the Washington
2: football team would spend and would try to compete. Granted, oh, yeah. they were spending was, in the wrong place. There was
1: never a washed up veteran past his prime that Dan Snyder they wouldn't overpay. <laughs> but, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Find you somebody who looks at you the way Dan Snyder looks at washed up old veterans.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's another joke there to be made, but uh we'll, there we'll is, just move on. Just we'll just move moving along. On. All right. Uh <laughs> next one from at Rivar Jones. How many games do you think uh we all miss of the 2022 season? Um So how many games do you think would be played? I'll put it that way. Okay. I
0: think 162 game seasons are gone. So I'll say they play 150 games.
1: I'm going to say they don't start on time, but they do go to 150 game season. So I'm going to say 110.
0: Mm.
2: So so you think 150 game season, so they would miss 40 games off their new. Right. So what is that a couple months worth? Yeah, so you're so like I'm saying it goes it
1: goes a couple months into a
2: June start.
1: Yeah, something like that, late May, June, somewhere in that range.
2: Yeah, because there would be more off days in between series. That's that's really what teams are looking for is the the up or the off days in between Mm -hmm. series, which makes a ton of sense. Like the 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 grind, even when you get to the majors, has to be brutal. I, I don't get how people like yeah like i'll go out and and play
1: ball with my kids sometimes and just throw the ball around and like my arm is sore the next day i'm like can you imagine doing that every single day
2: well your retirement age and mlb anyway so
1: oh yeah yep hey max scherzer's representing the (laughs) old folks Yeah. Uh, well
2: i I mean (laughs) you can't tom
1: brady and and max scherzer it's there's no revenue sharing here
2: amanda you can't take credit (laughs) to max scherzer's 130 million dollar contract
1: yeah and that's why everybody's getting mad at max scherzer signing with the vets i'm like i'm sorry it's 130 million dollars for three years i would like uh, anybody to tell me they would turn that down no matter what team it was i have i have no hate
2: yeah i mean i i would sign for literally anything right. <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean give me $130, let's be real
1: thousand dollars
2: <laughs> yeah, let's be real. like i i can go on my wife's insurance like i'll be i will sign for anything <laughs> like just be like uh, ryan zimmerman last
1: year where he's like yeah whatever you got left over once you sign everybody you need it's cool yeah just it's call like me no no leverage
2: He's like i just like uh, i like playing ball
1: yeah 12 bucks in a jersey that's all i need.
2: yeah works for me uh last question from at zero sim alex two uh i'm assuming the nats eventually signed chris bryant are we excited about that yes right
0: i'll buy his jersey within the hour
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. We are excited about that. We're trying to break that, that
2: Bryce Harper 24 hour single record mark.
1: Yeah. Although knowing the Nats, they would they wouldn't
2: have his jersey available <laughs> yeah. to buy like at, at the time of signing, exactly. knowing the Nats and
1: My all-time favorite story of that is how the blue jerseys from the World Series that like win the World Series at the end of October well that's what I was referring to yeah everybody in the world wants those for Christmas and they're just like we'll get them to you in like March sometime maybe and then you can only buy them if you go down to the team store I'm like what are we doing
3: yeah
2: Yeah. it's like I I don't like going into DC anyways like I'm not going into DC when there's not an ads game to go to an ad spark to go to a store that's overpriced
1: yeah and as Ryan learned coming out to Winchester for a wedding it's kind of a hike for me to get down to DC, <laughs> like if there's no sporting event at the end of it, like I need I mean, ramen and a sporting event.
2: You also have multiple sets of season tickets for multiple DC sports teams, so it's
1: true. it Can't and, be that uh, bad of a hike. It's a hike, but we usually have to leave here at like three thirty for like if there's a seven o'clock game. We leave here at about three thirty. I mean,
2: same <laughs> considering how traffic is some nights.
1: That's true. That's a good point. But yeah, I'm not complaining exactly. Well, I obviously am, but I don't mean it. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, that's it for Twitter questions. We appreciate all you guys who submitted questions. Uh, And that does it for this episode. Uh, Again, big thanks to Josiah Gray for joining us. Uh, That was an absolute pleasure. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, And, you know, big things on the horizon for Josiah Gray, K. Bear Ruiz, and all the young guns in the Nats. Uh, I was going to say system, but they're not in the system. They're they're on the team. Uh, Young guns on the team now. We'll wrap it up with our one big thing. Do you guys have anything else before we go? And I guess it is technically a lockout, so Amanda, should you choose to uh venture into other sports, you would be permitted to do so.
1: Uh yes, you know me. Um <laughs> I guess I'll just do I'll go with my regular because it seems like I, you can't say enough about Alex Ovechkin. It's so funny to me because as the years go by, you would think that he would just, you know, like slow down or you know, not be as exciting as he used to be. He's literally off to the best start of his career. He is one goal behind Leon Dreisaitl at 20 to 21 and Leon Dreisaitl, I want to say is 22 years old and Ovechkin is 36. We are going to watch that man break the all-time goals record. And I will be there wherever that is. I don't care if it's, you know, in DC, if, if it looks like he's going to win somewhere on the road, I'm going to go to wherever he is on the road. I will be there for that. So anyway, you're going to go to Vancouver. Point. I will go to wherever I swear to God. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like if there's a would that be the farthest
2: from us? Vancouver. Vancouver
1: is yes yeah, the whole west coast of Canada right? It's all yeah, it's,
2: the west coast. Uh, yeah, it's like north of Seattle. So
1: Hopefully, like it's, it's like, like an April farthest. game and not like January. <laughs> it's real <laughs> cold. I don't like cold weather. At I'll least do it's the it. west coast. But I'll do it. Yeah, I am. Anyway, that's my thing. I'm I, with baseball not happening right now. Hockey is my other favorite sport, so I am all in on the Caps right now and just absolutely loving watching what Ovi's doing. And what the Caps are doing more generally, given the state of the injuries that they've been dealing with, like Backstrom hasn't played a single game and Ovi is still rocking and rolling. So if you don't watch hockey, I know you're all baseball fans. If you're listening to this podcast, if you don't watch hockey, you're making a mistake. Even if you don't get really into hockey, if you don't watch Alex Ovechkin, when you have the chance to see him play for your local team every day. You are wasting a massively important sports fan opportunity. So,
2: by far and away, the best sport to watch in person.
1: Oh Um, yeah, there's nothing. And if you don't, if you think you don't like hockey, go to a hockey game. Because I promise you, you will like hockey if you go see one. If you go see a game live, it's impossible not to.
0: So much fun, Ryan. You got anything before we go? You know, that was a big J. Big J journalism, big scoop that we got from Josiah talking about number 40. He's going to stay number 40. You're welcome, everyone, for finding out that bit of information. Well, he said for this year, so that still does give me a little bit of pause where it's like,
2: do I get one now just to get another one next year? But Yeah, but you'll have that, like,
0: original
2: jersey number. It'll be worse. This is true. It'll be like uh, Jordan 4-5, and
0: uh, that's the first one that came to my head. I, I can't think of another one. Like Shaq, you know, that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Just excited for the year. Hopefully we get baseball soon. Hopefully the CBA doesn't take too much time, even though it will. Even though it will. (laughs)
2: Um my last thing is I put up my Christmas. Well, I had my Christmas tree on Sunday, waited two days to like let the branches kind of like fall down into place because they were still pointing straight up. So I had to let them fall so I could accurately see where. You know, all the mm-hmm. ornaments and lights would go. I feel like that's a pro move. Um, but again, I just want to take a shot at all the people that, you know, set up their Christmas stuff like in the first week of November. I just I despise you all.
1: The day after Thanksgiving, I just respect because I'm so tired. We always host Thanksgiving and I, just yeah, I respect that. But yeah, like having the, the energy to go deal with putting up all and it's such an ordeal to put up the Christmas stuff at my house because we have so many little kids that like everybody wants to do everything and be in the middle of everything it's I mean like you know they figured out so where little chaotic. kids come from right <laughs> they did my problem is I really like babies but then they keep turning into big people so you got a puppy <laughs> <laughs> I got a puppy who's a little dog and is only going to be like 11 or 12 pounds full grown so he'll basically be a puppy forever
2: I mean the little dogs are always the, the craziest
1: yeah he's actually the laziest dog I've ever seen he sleeps constantly so he's He's perfect.
2: For now, give it time. Yeah,
1: he's the best dog ever. Actually, I don't know if anybody knew.
2: Not every dog's the best dog ever.
1: I know that's true. That's the best thing about dogs. <laughs> all
2: We're right, all well that best. does it for this episode of Half Street High Heat. Uh, episode one sixty nine, by the way. I feel like it's a pretty important episode. Plus, we got Josiah Gray on the this episode, so I feel like it all planned or played out how it's supposed to, which I'm appreciative of. Um, next episode will come out. If you're listening to this on release day, it'll come out tomorrow as we have another episode of the half street hot seat. We have Matt and Danny making their trivia debuts as they go head to head in a fight for uh second, potentially place, maybe third place, uh, as they both make their debuts, Ryan still has a commanding lead, uh, two games over CK. Uh, and then Trey will make his debut next week. And that will be at least uh, everyone in our uh, Half Street High Heat uh, team has one match under the belt, and then we'll start doing uh, some repeat matchups and some matchups you guys want to see. Uh, we will do Ryan versus Matt Wyrick at some point uh, when Matt Wyrick chooses to accept the challenge. Right now he's currently dodging us, uh, as to be expected. I mean, when, Ryan, you're, you're 3-0. and Care to comment on the, the situation involving Matt Wyrick in uh, his uh, – Averse? No, that's not the word I'm looking for. Although it's kind of, you know, what I'm trying to say. Why is he? Yeah, you know,
0: about? his actions speak louder than words. All I gotta say is, there's there's a reputation on the line. I get it. <laughs> you gotta play it cool when it's your job covering the nats. You know, you gotta be a little hesitant. You know, I'm I'm three I completely wiped the floor with Monty, and that completely sh- just shook Matt. Even though it shouldn't have been a surprise. Yeah, I mean. <laughs>
2: Don't be surprised, as a wise man once said. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. So be sure to check that out. Uh, trivia is always great. So check out uh, Matt v. Danny round one and the match six, I believe, overall six, of the half so. treat hot seat. Amanda, are you are you feeling ready for your uh, return, or are we waiting for it till twenty twenty two and yeah, the, I don't uh, know. new year, new me.
1: I'm not great at trivia, so I mean, I'm not real eager to get my ass handed to me again. I guess it depends on who I'm going up against, but it's not my strong suit. It depends I mean, on what the trivia is about. Like, I could do better trivia it's on other. Literally topics. baseball. The, I know, the, and the I the love baseball. The trivia is baseball, like,
2: Amanda. That's yeah, kind but of I have a heart. yeah <laughs> it's, the
1: remembering the stats and all that stuff. Just doesn't. It doesn't. I can't do it. It's not my strong suit, but. I'll do it when my, when my name is called next man up.
2: <laughs> all right. So you'll begrudgingly do it, but you will do it nonetheless. <laughs> exactly. When are yeah, you going to
1: do it? When are, when are we going to have an episode with you, Nick? I,
2: I, I want to let it settle and I want to see where, where things fall. Uh, We'll have to do Ryan and myself at some point, but I mean, I'm not going to
1: have to have, you I'm not going to.
2: Come I can out of consult my host chair and to, do
1: questions
2: yeah yeah i'm not going to come out of my host chair before ryan's like this streak is done if the streak gets out of hand yeah then maybe i get called upon but ryan's three and oh right now he's got to do matt weirik he needs to play everyone uh on half street high heat first and then we'll go from there i like hosting i i like trying to come up with questions that try to s- that you know stump people so i i am perfect <laughs> fine. <laughs> we'll see we'll see
1: we'll see well if, if ryan streak gets too out of hand we're gonna have to have you come on as a stop it will up. i think we're gonna
2: oh yeah i'll be the uh the mercenary <laughs> that that comes out and then ryan will you know vanquish me and then we'll have to get you know god to come to trivia <laughs> to beat ryan or something something I'm like perfect. that yeah all right well be sure to listen to that episode of trivia coming out tomorrow. If you're listening to this on release day and be sure to follow us on Twitter, myself at nationals, Ace, Amanda at a white, seven, eight, seven, seven, Ryan at we are all shack and the show at half street, high heat. Oh, and by the way, check out half street, uh, All your articles, latest news uh, checking out uh, coming out uh, that you should check out, uh, you know, articles coming out basically every day. Check out, you know, our page on YouTube. Trey has been killing it new videos every single Friday. But they
1: are awesome. If you haven't checked some, out the YouTube channel yet, you are missing out.
2: Some of them are, have been blowing up too. So Dre, Trey, excuse me, has been doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. So be sure to check that out and subscribe if you haven't already. And our Tee Public site of i believe it's 35 percent off 30 or 35 percent off uh through christmas essentially i think for the next two weeks so i know you and your family have been wanting half street high heat merch for quite a while now go do that while it's still on sale and your
1: family
2: yeah i mean yeah <laughs> let's be real I, I know what you guys want you want some half street high heat merch so go do that it's on sale right now merry christmas to you all um, but that does it for this episode. We appreciate you all listening. We will be back tomorrow with trivia. And in the
1: meantime,
2: uh, who
1: knows? I was say go baseball, but there's no baseball.
2: Uh, who knows? <laughs> there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac.
3: A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that's the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you at dawn, well you can see they're running scared, cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look, cause we're putting curly W's in everything.